ready to launch. We are going to be in our new facility in less than six months. Can you believe that? And we're talking about we're talking about a God thing. We're not just talking about, yeah, we're growing or we're going to a bigger place. I've been very involved in the building acquisition process, you know, for nearly two years or about two years. And so I know firsthand the number of miracles that has happened for us to be at this place. So I can tell you that this is a God thing. God's behind this. When we are involved in a God thing, things are different because there's so much stuff that's just a man. We don't have time for that anymore. You know what I mean? we We have to be focused on what God's doing. We're not the only thing in the valley, but God has his assignment for us. That light on the hill, whatever that's going to be, we are going to be in a building that's three times our size. On the busiest highway in Idaho, one block south of the busiest intersection in Idaho, Fairview and Eagle. A brand new shopping center is going on the on the northeast corner of Fairview and Eagle that's going to rival, and well, Meridian people say it's going to put Boise Mall out of business. I mean, we hope that doesn't happen, but it's going to be a shopping center and restaurants and theater walking distance from our church across the street. You know, we know Cincy's new building is there. This is considered, this little corridor is considered the hub of a lot of things in the valley. I can't remember all the lingo, but we're going to be right in the middle of that. Wow, what a coincidence. No. (laughs) The Lord Jesus wants some people that are hearing his word to be a lighthouse, to be an example, to to be going like this. It's good news, folks. It's good news. And let us tell you how and why and, and show. And one of the things that this message is about, I don't want you to think, oh, it's going to be another one of these... uh, pressure sermons to get you to feel guilty and, and sign up for ministry. It is going to be about turning these in today, but it's not what my sermon's about. Do you, does everybody have one of these ministry interest sheets? If you don't, raise your hand. The ushers can prepare to hand some out. We've got some here, one here. So what? If during the sermon, I want you to look at this, and you can check off the ministry things that you're interested in. Don't worry if you check five things, you're not automatically signing up for five things. But what I like about it, it looks like you're taking notes. And it make me feel good that, wow, you know, like, like you're getting something from what I'm saying. But this, this will be picked up at the end of the service, and, you know, either at back or we'll figure out how to do that. But the reason, Pastor, quite frankly, I, I, even though before I get to my topic, the reason why we're, we're having these two sermons is because we've got a lot of work to do. In six months, we've got a lot of work to do. And guess what? The tendency, I've been now... On full-time, in full-time ministry for five months and three weeks. But before that, I sat where you did. And the tendency is to wait for the church to figure it out and assign you your task. Things have to change around here a little bit. Maybe things have to change around here a lot. The pastor's position and job is to give you fuel every week, spiritual fuel for your spiritual engine so you go out and serve and minister. So seek the Lord. This checkbox isn't the end. I'll seek the Lord. What is? I just had a couple come up to me after service. There's nothing on the thing. And they said, we really feel the Lord is asking us to do this. 
I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. Send me an email and let's we're empower you. You know what I mean? So there's going to be that. I'm going to be kind of the gatekeeper. Don't feel, you don't get hurt feelings if, if I respond, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, there'll be a little bit of that because we got to be focused. We got to be on, we got to be with one single purpose. But seek the Lord. See what he would have you do. Now, this, this uh, what I'm going to share this morning is a secret. One of the secrets in the Word of God. If any of you just pour into the Word and look for deep meanings, you understand what I mean, that secrets are in plain sight but hidden. Words, easily understood sentences, hidden, supernaturally hidden. Everything that I'm about to say, most of you, if not all of you, have heard before. Not very many of you put this into practice. I know, it sounds like it's going to be a condemnation sermon. It's not. <laughs> and almost all of you don't truly understand it. I'm going to talk to you about servanthood. Serving one another. Servanthood. In our quest to mature spiritually, we must not bypass this quality that's so typified or encompassed who Jesus Christ was. And that was a selfless servant to others. If we think that we can just kind of like skip over that quality and say that's for some people, not for me, it's not my personality, it's just not how I'm wired, everything else that you understand and know about Christ and about walking for him serving him, walking like him. If you don't understand this subject, everything else is a waste of time. You might as well just go back to kindergarten until you get it. I mean, that's how important this is. If you don't understand this, everything else, in fact, you're probably, you're probably um, hurting it for the rest of us. I mean, you, you know, if you're not out there serving others, like Christ does, as his, he's our example, then church from the outside in just looks like a bunch of self-righteous people just doing stuff for themselves and being judgmental of everybody else. It starts with this topic. Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom, like a ransom for many. Don't turn here. Just look on the screen because I need to go fast. In Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul adds to this focus. He says, Each of you should not be concerned. Each of you should be concerned not only with, about your own interests, but the interests of others. Then he quickly pointed to Christ. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had. Then after this, after that passage, the next two, he talks about the humiliation that Christ went through, that though being God, emptied himself and, be, and took on a form of a slave. That's what we're talking about this morning. If we don't do that for one another, then this whole Christian experience ends up being just about us, about what we can get. There's no question that if we have 
we as Christians are going to grow and mature into Christ-like character, we must experience progress in this area of giving ourselves to and for others, of having our whole life being about ministering to others, helping others. We have to make progress in this area. This one sermon is not going to be it. All I'm going to do is give you one point. Be like Christ. Be a servant to all. And, and empower you with a couple scriptures. But then you, every day, and the decisions you make right now for our, our future, you need to make progress in this area. If you're not making progress, like for example, if you come to church and you really just want to be seen for what you do by others so you feel good about yourself, or if you just come to church and you get involved so that you can do a checkbox and so you feel good that, well, I'm doing my duty, I'm, I'm serving, it's missing the point. It has to be that lay down my life, that total humility in serving one another. Being consumed with our own self-interest takes the focus off what, what true Christianity is all about. If we're focused on ourselves, we can't say that we know and love God because we're not following after God's own heart. It can't be about us. But there's a freedom. There's a freeing that happens. Most, many of you know that I'm a PK. Everybody know what a PK means? Yeah. Preacher's kid. And I, I have to say, uh, I'm going to give this personal example. Paul did it in Scripture. He said, follow my example. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of an example. Because uh, I know this subject pretty well. Because my dad, was he, he uh, exemplified this character of Christ better than any man that I've ever known. So as a young man, I saw that. And I didn't say, hmm, make note of that. I think I'm going to act like that. No, I just knew this is how you lived your life. Not to be a good Christian. No, this is the right way to live. When I, at 16, I, I remember at 16 years old, showing up at youth group, or whatever night of the week it was, with my friends in mind to help them get to know my Savior better. I came to minister. When my wife and I joined our church when we got married, we've been married for 27 years, praise the Lord, most wonderful woman in the world. When we went to church, it was a natural, it wasn't, it wasn't something that we had to contemplate. We showed up to give, not to receive. That's, that's what it was all about for us. When I had, I have four kids, and when I had... I traveled for, uh, for more than 10 years, I traveled for a job. So I was gone every week, you know, maybe two days, maybe three days. Sometimes I was gone for three weeks overseas. And I had girls that were in volleyball and club volleyball. And we had all sorts of activities. But Jill and I were involved in many ministries at our church. Why? Well, Jesus wanted me on his team. What was I going to say? Thanks, Jesus, but I'm just so busy. I'll see you in 10 years. No, he needed me. He said, come here. And I said, okay. I joined the team. So that's one reason for the why. But you know the other reason for the why? Is I learned at a very young age that when you say yes to Christ and you put his stuff first, you actually start walking with him. And then you sense his presence. His spirit uses you. You understand this is the real deal. 
you're actually, just like our whole series, walk this way. That would be a good message for us to keep, keep going over. As we walk the way that we're supposed to walk, we experience God. Yeah. And it's the real deal. Otherwise, we're, we're stuck. We're just stuck in this little wheel when it's all about self. And you're waiting. I guess you're waiting for... I don't know what some of us are waiting for. To, to rise to a certain maturity or whatever, or might just be too busy. But I want to, I want to encourage you if right now God seems distant from you, or if you just feel like God's not showing up in your life, and it just, it just, some of this stuff just is falling on deaf ears because it just, this, this whole Christian walk doesn't have much meaning to you. I'm just going to pause right here and just say, ask, and it will be given to you. Yeah. Seek, and you shall find what Christ has for you. Knock. And the door to this next chapter in your spiritual walk is going to be opened for you. God is faithful. But what is exactly is servanthood? I'm going to just kind of define it here. Servanthood is the state, condition, or quality of one who lives as a servant. Further, a servant is first of all one who is under submission to another. For Christians, this means submission to God first and then submission to one another. That's hard. Then as one in submission, a servant is one who seeks to put the real needs of others or the person he is serving ahead of his own. Put it another way, servanthood is a condition or state of being or state of being a servant to others, of ministry to others, rather than service of self. It means willingly giving of oneself to minister to and for others, and to do whatever it takes to accomplish what they need. But we, not, we can't serve out of selfish motivations. This is Christ's plan. This is how he set it up. Let's go to Matthew 20, starting with verse 20. Matthew 20, verse 20. Hear these words of our Savior. These are important lessons that, that he wants us to understand. And then victory is ours, says the Lord. Starting in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's son, sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that, I'm, that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Of course, he was talking to the boys. Then they said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit at, and by the way, they were both crucified on a cross. Don't want to scare you. I mean, I just, that's not for all believers. That just happened to be for those two. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And then, and when the ten heard it, the other ten disciples heard it, they were greatly displeased at the two brothers. 
But Jesus called them to himself and said, okay, he's giving them some really key advice here. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just like we are to act, we are to be just like himself. This this passage basically says there's two things going on. You have two options in life. Option one, serve me. It's all about me. After all, i got a lot of needs that i got to work on right now. Option two, it's all about others. What do others need around me? How can I serve them? What do they need? I guess it kind of takes noticing and recognizing and hearing from the Lord to know what they need. This is how Christ has, wants to organize his body. The body of Christ is this, for spiritually mature people that are going to be used in the body of Christ. This is how he set it up. We are to begin by serving one another. That's where it begins. That's the foundation. We are to serve one another. We are to have the same servant heart that Christ had. So true maturity means serving one's followers as a leader, if you're leading a ministry, true maturity is you're serving your followers and teaching them to serve one another. That's the, that's the beginning. Now, our, our Lord's answer also had some uh, drama to it. He said if they, they had been wrongly thinking about things, they just been looking in the world, and well, that's how the world did it. You know, I can only imagine the twelve. Man, we're with we're the twelve. I mean, they kind of come in. Man, we're going to rule and reign, and they're all talking amongst themselves of how cool this is. And you know, man, when we walk down the streets, everybody's looking. It's like, whoa, they're with Jesus. And and here he tells them, you got to be a slave. You know, it, you know, you got to understand. This was not like, oh, okay, Jesus, that just makes sense. No, just like it doesn't make sense to us. This is contrary. Contrary. This is contrary to a lot of things. So just like it didn't make sense to the disciples, but it was what they did. It doesn't make sense to our flesh, but it is what we must do. Now this model, Jesus was modeling this not just because you know he just wanted people to be this way. No, because he knew this secret. He came to serve, to set men free to serve others. We have, he, he wants us to be set free. Maybe we can get our arms around being set free from sin, but can we get our arms and our minds around being set free from self? That's why this is so important. We're going to go to a couple other scriptures, and you're going to understand. This, was, this is the last thing Jesus talked about. This is very important. You don't have to turn here. It'll be on the screen. Matthew 23, 11 through 12 says, But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
So greatness, there's just this is not one of the my points. I only have one point. This is I'm not following anything I learned in the school ministry on the sermon lab. You know, three points and build, you know, I mean, I have one thing to tell you. Be like Christ and serve one another, but I'm trying to I'm trying to influence you and inspire you to follow Christ's example through the word. But greatness in God's kingdom is never to be found in position or power or praise from others. Sometimes we think it does. Now, following these verses in Matthew, Jesus had what is called the seven woes to the Pharisees. And so basically what Jesus is saying is, I think I can do this, right? Walk around. Uh, basically what Jesus is saying is, is you can, you can follow my example and live a servant heart leadership and be a servant leader, a servant leader, or you could just serve self like the Pharisees do. The Pharisees do their religious stuff to receive praise, popularity. And then he went on to say, Woe to you, seven woes. Now, we're not under condemnation, but guess what? We might want to look at the seven woes and see what our life will be like if we live selfishly. Would go like, if we read it, and we're not going to take time, we'd be, whoa, whoa. You know, we don't want anything to do with those seven woes. So it's not just, here's a nice way to live your life and be like me, you know, be like me. No. If you don't, Look at what will happen to you when you go down that path of selfishness. So why do we live for self? I mean, it basically is in unbelief, we turn from resting in God's provision, in God's wisdom, to, to foolishly thinking that we can handle life with the, by our own plans. We can handle life by our own efforts. It's as simple as that. When we refuse to humble ourselves and serve others and just serve ourselves so after all we got to get ahead in life. We are saying we don't trust you, God. We trust ourselves. Let's turn to John 13, starting in verse 1. And then we're going to do 1 through 5 and then we're going to do 12 through 17. I'm going to skip ahead on the story. Please listen to this, this passage. This is... Uh, this is basically really bringing it home with a visual. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel which, was, which he was girded. And let's, skip to, let's go on to 12. Start at 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher 
have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. This is He's going to be crucified tomorrow. This is very important that he wants to teach them and leave them with this. This is what was going to propel them into their ministry. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Most assuredly, there's not too many times that Jesus says most assuredly. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not not greater than, than his master. Nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, and here's another, this is, this is one of those clues that this is a big secret that's revealed. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is an important lesson. Remember, he's going to the cross. So perhaps no other passage in Scripture really reveals Christ's heart and that servant attitude than John 13. And you have to kind of Picture the scene. You have to know a little bit about culture. Back then, if you were invited over as a guest, because you were walking on a dusty road with sandals everywhere, if you were invited over with, to, as a guest, every time, absolutely, there's a servant there to wash your feet. If, if you didn't, the guest would be insulted, basically saying, oh, you invite me over, but I'm a servant. If they didn't deserve to get their feet washed, they're a servant. I'm, I'm, we're not talking about kings here. We're talking about average, average folks being invited over. You had a servant there to wash their feet. That was their cultural thing. So I have a feeling that Jesus really wanted to bring this point home. I'm, this is not scriptural, but I think so. That there was a group of people that were you know, supporting the ministry and cooking and different things. And I have a feeling that Jesus said, no, just have, have a, make up a name, How Jameis, have Jameis just stay behind. No, we don't need Jameis. But yeah, but Jesus, we need someone to wash the feet. No, just leave him behind. So the, the, the disciples come, and they're all coming, and they're kind of looking for the, looking for the servant. And, you know, they're not trying to make a big scene. And, ooh, there's no servant. There's no servant. And, well, I, John, he should do it. You know? And they're all looking at each other like, you know, uh, you know what? <clears throat> I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm the one that Jesus loved. You know, I'm not going to do it. You know? They were looking at each other. Who was going to serve? Who was going to lower themselves as a servant and wash their feet. No one, no one did. So then out of the blue, as a perfect picture and lesson of servanthood, Jesus unclothed himself down to his underwear and put a towel around himself and washed their feet. It's just a fitting analogy of him setting aside his privileges and serving. And that's what he asks of us. We have all sorts of rights and privileges that we can exercise. You can kind of you can kind of sense if you just kind of let's say you're looking at Jesus and you can almost say, Yeah, but he had this security of who he was in God. He just had this just tremendous confidence of who he was. It was nothing for him just to set that aside and serve. He knew where he was going. Remember that scripture says he knows he came from God and he's going to God. He knew who he was in Christ. It was easy for him. It was so important for him to show them this great example. And part of that example is the lesson is we need to know who we are in Christ. Then we won't want to elevate ourselves. If we truly understand who we are in Christ, we're not going to 
be busy, you know, like, hey, notice me. You know, we'll, we got that down. We know where we're going. You know, we're, we're seated in the heavenlies with Christ right now. I mean, we're, we're going to rule and reign with Christ in this next kingdom. We need to understand who we are in Christ, and it really helps. I'm going to reread 12 through 15 just to drive this point home. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of one another. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So here's this example that Christ was trying to drive home, this lesson. If he, their master, was doing this, the one they worshipped was doing this, then certainly they must do likewise. How can a follower do less than the master? If the master's saying, do like me, and, and we say we're followers and we're not being like Christ... I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But so many of us, we are so busy taking care of ourselves and not actually following this example. Then in 16, Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's turn to Philippians 2. Let's see what Paul has to say about this subject. Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then right away pointing to Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even, the, even death on the cross. So this really points out that there's a, there's a big step to this that's not easy. Humility. Being humbled. Humbling ourselves. Humility is not a good word. It doesn't sound good. Humility. Humility. I don't, again, I don't want, I want this to be encouraging in that this is one of those secrets to successful living. I know every single one of you in this room wants to be all they can be for Christ. This is where it starts. Otherwise, you're just running around doing circles. It just seems so hard, and it's not supposed to be. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to remove that big, heavy yoke of the law, yoke of of accomplishing things in self, big, giant yoke. I'm removing that, and I'm putting my yoke on you. 
The reason that, oh yeah, it feels really good, huh, Dot? It feels really light. Well, it's because Christ is doing all the work. But if we don't step into his yoke and out of our old yoke, Christ can't do all the work. We have to do it ourselves. You know, it just is, this is hard work. No, the Christian life is easy. We're free. We're free from sin, free from self, and we're just free to love and serve others. And then Christ loves and serves through us, and we are all blessed. Can you imagine how it's going to be if we can all have this servant heart towards one another when there's 500 of us in this new building and an outsider or unbeliever or someone who's struggling in their faith walks in to see what's going on, they will be blown away if they see a people loving on each other and serving each other and putting themselves second. Blown away. This is one of the keys to us as a body of Christ to be successful. And it starts by humbling ourselves. That's the only way. Now, there's another part of this that's really important. Paul uses what's called the if clause. He, now, he's saying it, all these ifs, as in that they're all true. So let me read that again. If there is any encouragement in Christ, well, there is. If any comfort by love, lots. If any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. So he's driving this point home to the, the readers. If you have all this, the proper response is to serve one another, to submit to one another, to love one another. That's the natural response. Not like, thanks for the gift, see ya. You know, that doesn't work. It's like the manna from heaven. We walk out the door and it's gone. It's just disintegrated. We, it doesn't work. The, the, the river of, of, of living water is a continual flow. If we have a dam and we just keep all this water for ourselves, it doesn't work that way. We don't get any more. Because if we got more, the dam would burst. It's the living water. This is all part. It's all part of the same thing. Deep down humility. One of the, the, the true tests of this is when you are out there serving one another as a servant and they treat you as one. <laughs> as a servant, that is. And then that's the test. What do we do? Man, they don't appreciate me around there. Or how dare they? I mean, you know... This is a real deal. This is not us just going around having happy faces and, and oh, giggle, 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 tickle, tickle, tickle. We all love one another. No, this has nothing to do with that. You can have a stern face and serve one another. You see a need, you go fill that need. You put yourself low and you clean the toilet because no one else can. I mean, whatever it is, it's not about show. It's about heart. Now, in my last five minutes, I want to encourage you with the scripture because I don't want this to be, and it can be for, for less mature Christians, it can be yet another expectation of me as a Christian. Oh, that's okay, yeah, I have to serve or I have to give, and boy, I'm so busy. And I want you to be reminded of something. Let's turn to, and I want you to turn here because this is an important scripture. Second Peter chapter 1. Starting in verse 3, 2 Peter, 
you guys get the benefit. You get the bonus. I got this scripture wrong in first service. <laughs> I read First Peter, and it had nothing to do with my sermon. <laughs> so you guys got the full, complete goods. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corrupt corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's another scripture in in, uh, Romans 5.17 that says, He has given you grace. This is the Lord Jesus. When he died on the cross, he gave you grace and the gift of righteousness for life. So this, if you think that you have to attain to a certain level of spiritual maturity so that you can actually do this hard Christian walk, you're not getting it. Jesus does it through us. He's already done it. it. Everything is ours. We walk out in Christ's name and love one another, and he loves through us. It's easy. We received it as a gift. So here's my, here's my one point. You, know, you already know what my one point is, but here's the principle from that point. Following the example of the Savior, believers are to function as servants who seek to minister to one another in loving and selfless service. We need to seek to do that. So the question that you might ask yourself is, number one, am I in submission to the Lord? Have I submitted my life completely to Him? Second part of that question is, have I submitted myself to my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I submitted to them Or am I seeking just to satisfy my own wants, my own needs? The Lord Jesus gave himself redemptively to restore us to God and to create, here's the important part, and to create a people that would be willing to be his servants, loving the world to him and loving one another to good works. That's what it's all about. Jesus also said in Matthew 25, 40, and this is what I'll close with. This is that picture when he separated the sheep and the goats, and they didn't understand, well, when did I do that? I don't remember feeding you. And he said, in, in as much as you did it to, the, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So as we serve one another, we're serving Christ. We're showing him how much we love him. And if we're not serving one another, then we're not serving Christ. So I want to encourage you, and I, and I don't like doing the condemnation stuff, so I want to encourage you that Christ wants to live through you. He really does. And it's easy. Just go sign up. Half, half of this stuff is just showing up. Everybody that's, 
that's serving, that's serving in a vital ministry or any kind of ministry in a church, you can attest that half is just showing up and letting God, God use you. It's not, it's not hard. Lord God, thank you so much for this word and for the visual picture of servanthood that you gave us. The ultimate being, of course, your death on the cross for me, for us. But Lord, I just pray that this this one example that you really wanted to drive home to the disciples, Lord, I pray that it would just find a good some good soil in every single heart here. That that seed would find good soil in every heart so the enemy would not steal it. And that we would look for ways to serve one another so that you would get all the glory. And so others would truly see what you look like. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.